Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, now celebrating its 10th anniversary. This show is brought to you by Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings at Walt Disney World. I'm Carrie Hayward, and each week I feature Disney wedding updates, money saving tips, and interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney couples. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates 10 years of romance at Disney destinations. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, I am speaking with Disney bride Paige Hutton about her ceremony at GM Lounge in Epcot with a reception at Living Seas in Epcot. I thought you guys would be interested to hear how she chose these locations and how she planned everything and how it all turned out. So welcome, Paige. Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I always like to start at the very beginning and find out how you and your fiance decided that you wanted to have your wedding at Disney. It's funny. I can't really remember how we decided to have our wedding at Disney. It was quite a while ago that we made the decision. I feel like the decision was made before we were even engaged, honestly. (laughs) We're annual pass holders and we go to Disney quite frequently. We had the opportunity to visit Disneyland Paris when we studied abroad together in France. So it's always just been a big part of our lives. So we kind of knew we were going to get married there. That's great. How did your friends and family react when they found out where the wedding was going to be? So they definitely weren't surprised. Once we got engaged, they kind of started asking us, like, when's the Disney wedding? So they were all really supportive and very excited. That's so great to hear. How many guests did you invite and how many were able to make the trip? So we invited about 135 guests and about 60 made the trip. Got it. Did you set up a room block for them? Yes, we did. How did you choose the resorts for the room block? So when we go to Disney, we're big Epcot people and we like to stay within walking distance of Epcot. So we knew we would want to stay within walking distance of Epcot for the wedding trip. And we selected three resorts from the three different price points. And we wanted them to all be on the Skyliner route if possible. But it turns out the Skyliner was scheduled to be down during our wedding trip, unfortunately. But luckily, it reopened earlier than expected the day before that most of our guests were supposed to arrive. So it didn't actually matter. So the three resorts that we picked, the Value Resort, Pop Century, Moderate Resort, Caribbean Beach, and Deluxe Yacht Club. Got it. Okay. Now, how did you choose the day of the week and time of day for your wedding? We knew we wanted to do a Saturday wedding because we thought that would be most convenient for our guests who didn't decide to make the trip a vacation. So we chose Saturday. And for time of day, we picked a 5.30 p.m. ceremony because we really wanted those golden hour photos in GM Lounge with the sun setting behind us and that gorgeous view of Spaceship Earth. Got it. So I'd be interested to hear how you decided to have your ceremony at GM Lounge because you see a lot of receptions there, but nobody's ever done a ceremony there. How did you choose that? Yeah, so we started planning in early 2019, and um, we used your guide to narrow down the venues that we were interested in. We had kind of a lot of venue changes throughout our postponement process. Due to COVID, we did postpone three times, so we had a total of four dates. Originally, we planned for an August wedding, so we knew we wanted to keep everything indoors due to the Florida heat and the high chance of summer rain showers. And we were lucky enough to have the opportunity to do a site visit with a Disney Fairy Tale Weddings consultant. So through our research, we found there were not a lot of indoor ceremony options aside from the wedding pavilion, which just wasn't our vibe. And we were looking for something with a distinctly Disney view. And like I said before, we're huge Epcot people. So we inquired about using GM Lounge as a ceremony space. 
and we were told it had never been done before, but Disney was open to it and GM was open to the idea. And so when we did our site visit, it was gorgeous. And we got to get a feel for how the venue would be set up for a ceremony. And it really checked all of our boxes. So we decided to move forward with it. That's awesome. And it's such a great place for a ceremony because with a ceremony, you direct where everybody looks. And so, yeah, the walls are kind of plain in there and there's not a lot of, you know, theming. But if you're just directing everybody to look at you guys and then the view of Spaceship Earth, Beyond and Future World, that's all you need. It's such a great venue for that. Absolutely. That's exactly how we felt. And then how did you choose your reception venue? On our site visit, we also had the opportunity to visit Living Sea Salon, which my husband had fallen in love with from the pictures on your website. (laughs) I will say I was not overly impressed with Living Seas when I first saw it. If you ask me, they really shouldn't have given us a tour in the state we saw it in. An event (laughs) had like just wrapped up. The lights were turned all the way on. The catering team was in there like running around, cleaning up. The space just wasn't at its best and it was kind of showing its age a little bit, I would say. But nonetheless, my husband was like persistent. He was like, we need to use this venue. It's gorgeous. It's so unique. So I trusted him and we moved forward with it. And I'm so thankful we did because it turned out absolutely beautiful. That's great. So due to COVID, we postponed a total of three times. So we had a total of four dates. And by our fourth date, we knew we were determined to make the wedding happen no matter what. Throughout the postponement process, we had some venue changes that ultimately didn't end up mattering. I'm like, One was GM did not reopen with the parks, so we had to move. So we chose to move to Bonsai Terrace in Japan. But once GM reopened, we were able to get back in there with no problems. The biggest venue change we had was at about the 40-day mark, things with the Omicron variant started getting pretty serious, and we were very concerned about hosting an indoor reception. Even though the vast majority of our guests were vaccinated and following proper precautions, we were just hesitant about the risks associated with an indoor gathering. And since we were no longer planning an August event, we weren't as concerned about the weather as we probably should have been. So due to those risks, we decided to make the change at the 40-day mark and move our reception outside to Italy Asola. Disney was really cooperative with the switch. They made it as easy as possible. However, as the wedding was getting closer, we started to notice a really intense cold front coming in. And it turns out our wedding happened to fall on the coldest day in over four years in Orlando. So with the weather forecast calling for temperatures in the 30s, we knew that there was no way we could host an outdoor event. So the day prior, we made the switch to move back indoors to Living Seas. But I bet Keith was thrilled. He was. And I I actually felt really bad because he was really upset when we made the call to move it outdoors. But luckily, we were able to keep Living Seas the entire time as our backup venue because we made the call at 40 days out, which was close enough to the 30-day mark that they scheduled it as our backup venue. So no one else could snag it. Got it. That's great. Now, did you guys use any outside vendors for your event? I know it's kind of tricky when so much is happening inside the parks. Yeah, we did. So we used Catherine Martell with Martell Event Services, and I highly, highly recommend working with Catherine if you have the opportunity. When I started working with Disney, I think I was under the impression that there would be someone from Disney's team with us throughout the entire day to like oversee everything and make sure that everything was running smoothly, like the same consistent person throughout the whole day. But like as the wedding got closer, I realized that's not how it works, or at least that's not how it's currently working. So I wanted to have Catherine there as like a constant person who could be the point person the entire day. And she knew my vision and she could basically be my advocate and make calls on our behalf if we needed her to. And she did a really good job. Additionally, 
we had some personal items that would have been just too much to ask a friend or a family member to set up. And Catherine did an amazing job setting those up for us. Oh, and she did steaming as well from our gowns and the men's formal wear. That's wonderful. We also used Merrily Married for videography. They were amazing to work with. We were pretty on the fence about videography, but ultimately decided to add it on somewhat last minute at about the 60-day mark. We worked with Nick and Prince from Merrily Married, and I'm so glad we decided to go with them because they were so kind and extremely professional as uh, former cast members and Disney Fairy Tale Wedding customers themselves. They really know their stuff. That's great. Now, how did you choose your officiant? We used officiant Catherine Tiamundi, and we found her through the Disbrides Facebook group. She was absolutely amazing and added all those little Disney touches to our ceremony. Did you add any kind of entertainment to the ceremony or the reception? We had DJ Steve Dunlap, and um, he was great. All our guests really loved him. He was super flexible. When we were planning to be outside at Italy Sola, we only had him scheduled for about 10.15 to midnight since we could only have amplified music after the park closed. But when we made that call to move back indoors to Living Seas the day before, he was able to accommodate our new schedule at a super short notice and DJ our entire reception from 6.30 to midnight. That's awesome. Do you have any menu items or cake flavors you would recommend? Yes, for sure. Food was really important to us. So in terms of menu items, I would definitely recommend the beef short rib. It's absolutely delicious. We also added mini beef wellingtons, which turned out really good. The martini action station was a big hit with all of our guests, as well as uh, the poutine bar that we did at our dessert party and the vanilla creme brulee. Oh, that's great. Do you have any cake flavors that you would recommend? Yes. So we did have the opportunity to do a cake tasting kit. It was like super fun experience that I would highly recommend to those who have the opportunity. We ended up going with a three-tier cake. Two of the tiers had the same flavors and then one of them was different. The bottom tier was red velvet cake with cookies and cream filling. The middle was confetti cake with amaretto crunch filling. And the top was again red velvet with cookies and cream, but we ended up taking the top layer home and we're going to eat it on our first anniversary. Got it. Okay. Did you add a dessert party or a welcome party to your event? Yes. So we had a welcome party that we had originally had planned to host at Paddlefish, but with the shift to all outdoor venues, we decided to move our welcome party to the Yacht Club Marina. The majority of our guests were staying at Yacht Club, so it was just really convenient. We actually ended up saving money by doing the welcome party through Disney as opposed to Paddlefish, which was pretty surprising to us, and we were really happy about it. While it was pretty cold, we sent out some pre-arrival emails to our guests reminding them to dress warmly and that the event was only a couple hours long and everyone just really had a great time getting to see each other. Was it timed so that they could see the high fireworks from Epcot? Unfortunately, no. We had the event from 5 to 7 p.m. because if it was any later than that, they would have had us pay for the extra lighting package. Also, I think it would have been even colder if it was after sunset. So I think the timing worked out pretty well. That's a great point. Yeah. During the welcome party, we served a menu with some of our favorite Disney Park foods, and guests really enjoyed it. Some of the menu items included cheeseburger spring rolls from the Spring Roll Cart in Magic Kingdom, the Kahlua Pork Sliders from Food and Wine Festival, and buttermilk fried chicken and waffles sliders from Grand Floridian Cafe. That's cool. With so many menus to plan, you know, for your, your actual reception, the welcome party, or the dessert party, how did you decide what kind of food to do for each menu? Yeah, food was super important to us. Like I said, we're big Epcot people. And really, when we go to Disney, all we do is eat. So we took a lot of inspiration from what we like to eat in the parks. And then we also just took all the menus that you have on your website and kind of picked and choose what we like from each of them. 
and put them together for the different menus. We also had the opportunity to go to the menu tasting, which was helpful as well. Oh, great. Okay, great. And then can you tell me a bit about the dessert party? So we did have a dessert party that we mixed into our reception. At a certain point in our reception, we went out to watch the fireworks and then had a ride mix in. And when we came back, the dessert was served alongside the cake. That's really cool because usually when you your dessert party gets moved inside because of weather, you have to go to some random new place and you guys were already inside. So it seems like it was probably a lot smoother for you and your guests. Yeah, it worked out really well. What ride did you choose for your ride mix-in? Since we've been planning for so long, I had inquired about having a ride mix-in on Ratatouille before it even officially opened. I was originally told, and I had seen others say, that the ride typically needs to be open for a year before it can be approved for a mix-in. So we decided on Soren. But after Ratatouille opened, I brought it up a few more times but continued to get the same answer. But eventually, I dropped it. Just a little over a week before our wedding, though, our planner reached out to us and said they were ready to start approving ride mix-ins for Ratatouille. If we were still interested, we had the opportunity to be the first couple to feature the ride at our wedding, and we were super excited and jumped at the opportunity. That's amazing. I bet your guests couldn't believe it when they got to walk past the whole line and get on there. Yeah, they were pretty surprised. And then after you came back to Living Seas after the ride mix-in, what kinds of desserts did you have? Yeah, so when we got back to Living Seas, the desserts were served alongside the cake. So we did um, a poutine bar, which guests absolutely loved. I love savory desserts, so that was my favorite as well. And we did assorted ice cream novelties, vanilla bean creme brulee, Oreo cream puffs, and then Mickey pretzels with cheese sauce. That's awesome. Can you give my listeners a timeline of how the day all fit together? Absolutely. So we had a pretty early morning, I'd say, for a 5.30 ceremony. We started at 7.45 a.m. because we had nine women all getting their hair and makeup done. We were in the Commodore suite at the Yacht Club, which had club-level access, which was a huge bonus because we were able to just pop over to the club-level lounge and like grab water and snacks and anything we needed. But we did provide breakfast and lunch for all the people getting ready. So that was essential to have something to eat while we were getting ready and calm those pre-ceremony nerves. At about 2 p.m., we started pre-ceremony photography. I did a first look with my dad and a first look with my husband. We did family photos and wedding party photos all around Yacht Club. The first looks were on the dock in front of the lighthouse, which was super important to me because I thought that would be gorgeous for photography. And we walk by that dock all the time on our way to Epcot. So I, I just think it's gorgeous. At about 4.25, we got into the limo with the entire wedding party. And we headed over to GM Lounge. We got to GM Lounge at about 4.45. And they let us take a look at the venue before the guests entered, which I was super excited about. It was so nice seeing it empty and like just all decorated. And it honestly took my breath away just seeing Spaceship Earth like so big and beautiful in the background with like the sun almost starting to set. We took a few more pre-ceremony photos in the empty venue. And then we were ushered into the conference room in GM to wait for the ceremony to start. So at 5.30, the ceremony began. It was a quick ceremony by efficient Catherine Tiamundi, who did a wonderful job telling our story and putting a Disney spin on the entire thing. A few after-ceremony photos with Spaceship Earth and the sunset in the background with the wedding party and then some with just us. And then the wedding coordinator was able to bustle my dress and help us back into the limo. And then we arrived at Living Seas at about 6.30 p.m., We had the opportunity to, again, quickly see the venue before the guests arrived, which I was so thankful about. It looked gorgeous. I was really blown away, basically, because of how I had seen it previously. I couldn't believe how much it had transformed. We had a very short waiting period in the conference room. 
where Disney brought us some drinks, which was very nice. And then the DJ introduced the wedding party and then introduced us, and we came out. At 7 p.m., the dinner buffet opened. We were originally planning on doing a plated meal, but since we had made the switch to an outdoor reception, we were required to switch to a buffet, and we just kept it that way when we switched back inside. Overall, we were really happy with the decision to do a buffet because it felt like we were getting more for our money, and guests got to taste everything. At 8.30 p.m., we loaded guests with mobility assistance first. We had three guests who had mobility assistance, so they were loaded into the bus first, which I would highly recommend because they originally wanted to start loading everyone earlier, but I asked if they could load those guests first while other guests finish up their dinner and grab their coats. And then at 8.50 p.m., we were escorted to our viewing area at Italia Sola, and uh, guests were absolutely loved, harmonious. They were blown away. The view from Italia Sola is gorgeous. And I wish we got to see a little more of the show, but we were taking pictures the entire time. Um, but I'm I'm really excited about those photos, so I wouldn't take it back. At 9.20 p.m., we started the walk over to Ratatouille. So we walked from Italy to France throughout the park. That was a really fun moment. Guests were delighted to have the opportunity to ride one of the most popular attractions with absolutely no weight. And it was a total surprise to them. So I think they, I think a lot of them thought we were walking back to the buses. But then we, we walked straight onto the ride. I thought a lot of more guests would opt to not go on the ride. But I think a lot of them didn't know they were getting on a ride. But they all really, <laughs> they all really enjoyed it. <laughs> After Ratatouille, my husband and I had the opportunity to take just a few quick photos in France, which I was really happy about because France is pretty important to us because we studied abroad there together in college. So I can't wait to see those photos. At 9.45 p.m., we got on the buses and went back to Living Seas. And uh, we were back at about 10 p.m. where we started speeches and toasts. My brother gave a speech. Keith's sister gave a speech. And my father made a toast. And then following my father's toast, we did a father-daughter dance. And then following that, we did the cake cutting. And then the cake was served alongside the desserts that I mentioned before. And then after that, it was really just open dancing and the bouquet toss and those sorts of things until midnight. And everyone had a really great time dancing and getting drinks from the bar and just enjoying the space. That's wonderful. When you were planning, what were some of the most important aspects where you focused your attention or your budget? Yeah, so one thing that was super important to me was the lighting for the reception in Living Seas because I had mentioned... I was not blown away with it at our site visit. So I remember the first time I heard about Glow Furniture was actually on your podcast. I was listening in the car on the way to work, and I literally pulled over and made a note in my phone to look up what Glow Furniture was because I was so intrigued. And once I saw it, I knew we had to have it, and I wanted to make it like the centerpiece of our entire event. So the Glow Furniture led me to be overly particular when it came to the lighting in Living Seas. It all came down to the lighting. In addition to the glow tables for guests, we added three glow cocktail tables as well and 12 uplights around the venue, as well as the underwater lighting effects on the ceiling above the dining area and uh, the underwater lighting effects in the entryway. I was really specific with my planner when it came to requesting that the overhead recess lights in the room be as dim as possible, if not completely turned off. And my planner was probably so sick of me saying, make it glow, because I was really trying to emphasize that as much as possible. I also requested that the colored lights above the dance floor area be turned on. And I shared a ton of inspiration photos with my planner, as well as Catherine Martell, um, because she would be there during setup. And I just wanted to make sure it looked exactly how I wanted it. So she was there as like an extra set of eyes to just emphasize that to Disney. 
So in addition to lighting, photography was really important to me. Um, that's, that's how you remember your day by looking back at the photos. So we put a lot of our budget into photography. We also did a Magic Kingdom park shoot. So that was really a highlight of the wedding experience, I'd say. And then the last thing is uh, guest experience. So we wanted them to have a really unique wedding experience. So we included things like fireworks and the ride mix in and food. So I'd say guest experience was really important to us as well. Got it. What aspects were less important where you saved your money and your effort? Yeah, one area I think um, we were able to save some money was on floral. As I mentioned, we were really more focused on the lighting to create the atmosphere. So uh, in GM Lounge, we felt that the sunset with the gorgeous view of Spaceship Earth would really be the focal point. So we used minimal floral with only a couple larger floral arrangements on either side of the altar. And in Living Seas, the fish tank walls provided some great built-in decor. Um, the floral we did have, we were able to repurpose and move from our ceremony to the reception. We had those altar pieces, floral arrangements placed on either side of the sweetheart table. For both lining the aisle at the ceremony and the centerpieces on the glow tables at the reception, we used um, varied height cylinder vases with floating candles. They were a really affordable decor option, and I think they really looked classy, and they added to our overall focus on lighting. Going along with floral, another way we saved was by providing some of our own favors and our own decor. Uh, I created all of the acrylic signage, including the welcome sign, the signature drink sign, the guest book sign, and the favor signage, and all of the table numbers. For favors, we used uh, clear acrylic Mickey ear tumbler cups that I customized with our monogram. The tumblers also doubled as our escort cards so that as guests arrived to the reception, the signage said, find your seat and fill up your cup. So guests were able to take the tumblers over to the bar and have them filled with a cocktail or one of our signature drinks. And seeing guests actually using the favors throughout the night was really fun. <laughs> I will say, if you do plan on DIYing a lot of stuff and providing any decor, I highly recommend hiring someone like Catherine Martell to do the setup. It made sense for us because it would just have been too much to ask of a friend or a family member. Right. So out of all of this, what ended up being your favorite memory of your wedding day? So I actually have two. I know it's kind of cheating. Um, so post-ceremony, I had, we had the opportunity to ride just my husband and I over to Living Seas in the limo. And I know the limo is one of the first things that you typically recommend cutting in order to save some money. But for me, I have this weird fascination with limos. <laughs> I've, I've always loved them for some reason. And I knew I wanted to share that moment um, with our wedding party. So we actually upgraded the limo to an 18-passenger Hummer limo. And we had that. So we shared that moment with our wedding party on the way to the ceremony. But I'd say my favorite moment was post-ceremony when it was just my husband and I riding in this ginormous limo by ourselves. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then my second favorite moment was um, walking through Epcot from Italy to France. Just the, the park guests were so kind and just cheering and giving us all sorts of congratulations. And it was really fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, did anything go wrong or just not turn out like you expected? Yeah, so my husband is a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. So when we were selecting ceremony music, we knew we wanted to include some Kingdom Hearts music if possible. 
And I was hoping to speak with the violinist during our group menu tasting because I had heard such good things from other brides about how he was able to take requests on the spot and play all sorts of music. But unfortunately, he was not at our group menu tasting. So when I reached out to our planner to see if I could schedule some time to speak with him, she said they don't really do that. Uh, but if I was looking for something specific, she could see if they had it in their music library. So I told her we were looking for anything from Kingdom Hearts. And she sent us a few songs that she said they had the sheet music for in their music library. So we selected two of those songs to use during our ceremony. However, um, the music that was actually played during our ceremony, I don't know what it was. It was completely incorrect. We had no idea what was being played. But it, I mean, it was fine. It was beautiful music and no one noticed besides my husband and I. So that could have gone better. But Another thing that didn't go quite as planned was we had purchased blankets for our guests to use since we knew it was going to be cold. And boy, am I glad we decided to make that decision because I mentioned it was freezing. But the plan was to have the blankets brought over on the buses with us to Italy Sola, but somehow the blankets didn't make it onto the bus. And this is another huge shout out to Catherine because as soon as she realized the blankets were missing, she literally ran through the park all the way to Living Seas, found the blankets, and was back within the first few minutes of the fireworks, and she was walking around to all our guests handing out the blankets. So that didn't go quite as planned, but uh, Catherine saved the day. Wow, that's amazing. Was there anything that seemed like a big deal beforehand or you were worried about, and then it turned out not to be? Yeah, there was a couple things. So the weather, obviously. I was obsessively checking the weather like every morning and just crying about it until I realized there's nothing I can do. And Living Seas was our original plan anyway, so why am I even upset? And um, so I stopped checking the weather and I felt a lot better. <laughs> um, another thing I was worried about was transportation. Uh, between the ceremony, the reception, the fireworks, the ride mix-in, I was really concerned that guests would be spending too much time on buses. Uh, and that's one reason we opted to actually have guests walk from Italy Asola to Ratatouille to avoid another bus ride. I was worried that with all the busing, it would feel too much like a field trip and not enough like a wedding. But luckily, people didn't seem to mind. When, when I talked to guests afterwards, they told us that it was a really unique wedding experience and they didn't mind or notice the transportation. Oh, that's great. Another thing was the communication with Disney and the communication with my planner leading up to the wedding. It was uh, pretty rough, but everything ended up working out perfectly. Leading up to the event, I would go weeks without receiving responses from my planner, but I just made sure to stay organized and keep track of all my requests and my BEO changes so that when I finally did have the opportunity to speak with her, that I was ready to get everything knocked out in like one call. And while it was super stressful not having constant communication with my planner, just knowing that they're professionals and that they're really good at what they do, everything got taken care of. And in the end, it was really perfect. That's great. Is there anything you would have done differently knowing what you know now? Honestly, no. Like I've been trying to think of an answer to this question. I've asked my husband. I've asked my parents. I've asked my closest friends. We, we really can't think of anything. That's great. Do you have any other tips or advice for future Disney couples? Yeah, I've got a couple. So um, my first tip is to definitely do a hair and makeup trial if you can make it work. So I was able to schedule a hair and makeup trial during the same trip that I came in for the menu tasting. And I'm so thankful I did because we found out my hair just was not cooperative with the hairstyle I originally wanted. Basically, my hair just will not hold curls. And I had originally wanted a full head of curls, like completely down. And after the trial, it was really obvious that that look wasn't going to last on me for a 10 plus hour day. So we switched it up and did a really cute stylized braid for the wedding day. Um, but we were actually able to do the curled look for the Magic Kingdom park shoot since it didn't need to last nearly as long. Another tip is if you're doing any custom menu items, 
try to confirm how they'll be plated or displayed on a buffet uh, because some of our dishes weren't as expected. Like, for example, uh, one of our dishes was the pulled pork sliders from Epcot's Food and Wine Festival. And the way they had it set up was just a pile of rolls and a chafing dish of pulled pork. And if I hadn't known that they were supposed to be sliders, I wouldn't have thought to kind of DIY and put together my own slider. I just would have thought it was a pile of pork and some rolls. (laughs) Um, So this was the case with a few of our other dishes as well. So um, if that's important to you and you're doing any like custom menu items, just check with the chef. And then my last tip would be to advocate for a backup location that you're comfortable with and have a plan B. Even though having to think about being moved to a backup venue on your wedding day is like the last thing most brides want to think about. Uh, It can be a real possibility. So just make sure you're prepared, have a plan for uh, what you would change or add if you were forced to move into that space and advocate for yourself and make sure you're happy. Uh, We were lucky in that our backup venue was our original venue, so we already had a solid plan. But for future brides, just make sure you consider every scenario. That's a really good point because I see that question so much. What is the backup location for X venue? There is no assigned backup location for any venue. And so you really need to be on the ball 30 days out asking, requesting. You know, you're not guaranteed you're going to get it, but it's always worth asking if there's one you would prefer and they will try to make it happen for you. Right. Well, Paige, I think you've offered a ton of great tips and advice for anyone who's interested in getting married at Epcot or Walt Disney World. And I appreciate your taking the time. Thanks, Carrie. That's our show for today. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward, inviting you to join me again next week for another episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. Past shows and tons of photos for each episode are available on my website, DisneyWeddingPodcast.com, or listen in your favorite podcast app. And for instant answers to all your Walt Disney World wedding questions, check out Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at fairytaleweddingsguide.com. <laughs>